Well, hello. Welcome again to worship, and uh, particularly now to this time of kind of diving in to God's Word, the Bible, and seeing what God, the Holy Spirit, has to say to us through it. I don't know of any passage, personally, that is more sobering, more challenging than the one we look at today. So let's start by just actually looking at the passage and what Jesus said as found in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 13, so I invite you to find that or, or look along on the screens as you would prefer. But these words are incredibly challenging to say the least. Here's what our Lord said. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And it goes on. Uh, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And then he goes on, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Then he emphasizes it again, thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. And then this section, Jesus sums up in, in these words. This is another very sobering statement from, from the mouth of our Lord Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he or she who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. To me, those are the most sobering verses in all the Bible. And here's what's shocking to me. Jesus said many. He didn't say just a few outliers or those who've committed horrific crimes and were never repentant of them. Not, not the worst and the most hardened. No, Jesus said many people are gonna be shocked on judgment day. And he's including many who sounded like insiders. In other words, they went to church. They called Jesus Lord. They had done certain deeds in Jesus' name. They talked a good talk, in other words, but Jesus said they were definitely not on the narrow road. Many is the word he used. Many who've been either hypocritical or self-deceived will be forever condemned and shut out from the presence of God, forever condemned to hell. That's why I say, to me, these are the most sobering verses in all of Scripture. 
So as we unpack this, I want to ask three probing questions to help us really understand this today. One is, how do you know you're on the narrow road? Because there's probably no question that's more important than that. How do you know? Second, uh, we're going to ask the question, what voices are you listening to? Because as you saw, Jesus gave a stern warning about false prophets, people who come to us and they present well, but they're not really the real deal. In fact, they're actually dangerous because wolves were the natural enemy of sheep. They were the greatest enemy to sheep in Jesus' day. And then the third question we're gonna ask is, if you were accused of being a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And so that's where we're going today. And, and I want you to know right up front, I want everyone to know that at the end of this time, we're going to provide an encouragement and an opportunity for you to seek God in prayer. My message is gonna be a bit briefer than usual and that's to allow time at all three campuses for us to come forward and either pray on our own or maybe with one of our prayer team members who will be here for you and would love to spend a few moments listening and praying with you right here in this prayer area, this front altar area. You see, I, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. For some of you, this will be the first time that you've ever stood up and stepped out and walked down an aisle and sought God in this way. And so this is a great day for you. It literally is gonna be a day of spiritual breakthrough where literally angels will be rejoicing because of the changes that God is bringing, that God's bringing in your life. Now, I'm telling you this up front because I want you to be ready. I just want you to be open to how the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you during this message. This is your moment. God is preparing you for this. Today is the day for many of you that you will draw a line in the sand, as it were, and make a significant spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ. So please know that that time is gonna be for you uh, right at the end of the message today. But before we get to that, I want us to unpack these questions. So here's the first one that we're asking, and that is, how do you know? Such an important question. How do you know you're on the narrow road? If you ask the average churchgoer that, I think these are some of the responses you get. Some would say, well, I, I prayed a prayer a long time ago, and the preacher said, you're good to go now. Or others will say, look, I was christened as an infant and that sealed the deal for me forever. Others might say, well, look, I, I go to church. How do you know you're on the narrow road? Someone say, because I'm a Republican for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I vote the Republican ballot. Others might say, because I'm a Democrat. And I think that's so important. Others would say, look, man, I know I'm on the narrow road because I've got a Christian fish emblem, chrome-plated on the trunk of my car. 
I was about to say, I know because I give to the poor, because I read the Bible or I read Christian books, or some might even say, because I attend Grace Fellowship Church. Now listen, listen. If you're relying on any of those things in and of themselves to save you, I can say with confidence today that you're not on the narrow road. I can say that because Jesus said, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a very religious man, by the way, he said, unless you're born again, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. You see, the the language Jesus used here in our passage is very, very interesting. He said in verse 13, enter, enter through the narrow gate. Now, enter is an action word. If you come to my house and we stand out on the porch, the front porch, and, and I invite you to come in, I can invite you and I can invite you again and and I can keep on inviting you to come into the house, but until you intentionally take action and enter, you can remain outside indefinitely. This is a strong word. It's a word that requires action on our, our part. What I'm saying to you today, friends, is that nobody's on the narrow road by accident. They wake up one day, whoa, how did I get here? I don't know. No, everyone who's on the narrow road has been invited by God, the Holy Spirit, and they have accepted that gracious invitation, and that's how you enter that narrow gate and get on the narrow road. And so it's just one of many reasons that we're gonna pray a little bit later. For some of you, God's been working in your life. You know it's been happening. He's been wooing you, inviting you, drawing you to himself. And this is your moment to enter through the narrow gate. Just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And today is your moment to take action. For others of you, You need to come today and pray about other issues in your life. You need to seek out perhaps one of the members of our prayer team here and say, this issue is going on in my life. Whatever it is, I just just wanna spend a few moments praying with someone about that. And so I invite you to do that today. But there's a second question that I think is super important that we need to address. And that is what voices... What voices are you listening to? Because here's the deal. All of us, all of us have these voices that are calling for our allegiance and our commitment. But Jesus said, be careful now. Be careful because there's these false prophets out there. That's what he called them. And they are doing their best to lead you astray. Let's look at his words again in chapter seven. He said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, unless you're incredibly savvy, or even if you are, you would probably not notice right up front that there's even a problem here. 
They look good, smell good, sound good, sound all orthodox, like everything's wonderful, make a good first impression. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And then he says, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. By the way, twice, twice in this passage, he emphasized that it's by their fruit. Now, what exactly does that mean? Fruit. I would suggest to you that fruit would involve things like character. Character. What is their real character? And again, you're not gonna know that immediately when you're just meeting someone. You don't know whether it takes time to know character because that's something that's very deep and profound. It's at the essence of who a person is. I would suggest it involves conduct. What are their what is their basic morality? What choices are, is this person making? What do you really see as you look, not just at the issue of character, but actual conduct day by day in the decisions they make? And then third, fruit would involve the content of their message. All of those are important. But I wanna say a word to you now about the content of the message because I think that that's certainly something our Lord is concerned about here. I wanna say a word about the content of the message because all of us, we're constantly exposed to messages, voices out there that are telling us something and we wonder, is it true or not? Or can I believe this? They're calling for us. I I wanna put three statements up here on the screen. And the gospel of Jesus Christ contains all three of these messages. Here they are. Come and be challenged. Come and be comforted. Come and be changed. Now, the gospel of Jesus is the most important message in the world. It is that message that centers around the death, burial, and resurrection of, our Jesus, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his offer of salvation to us. Most important message in the world but it contains all three of these emphases. Let's talk about them for just a moment. Let's begin with the middle one. I am so glad, for one, that the gospel says, come and be comforted. Jesus made statements like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Comfort from a crazy world. He said, peace I leave with you. Do you need peace in your life? Instead of all the chaos and turmoil that is crowding in on your consciousness and on your soul and causing you to be ripped by anxiety, do you need some peace today? Jesus promises peace. My peace I give you, he said, not as the world gives. I don't want your hearts to be troubled. Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him or her will never thirst. Wow, the messages of comfort just go on and on and on about the good things that God wants to bring into our lives. The invitation is to come and be comforted. I'll never forget, I can literally still see it in my mind's eye. I still know the clothes I was wearing actually that day. Back on June the 16th, 1974, when in a service much like this, 
I walked down an aisle and I prayed in a front area and that represented years of struggling with the guilt and the weight of my sin. And finally, the Lord had brought me to a place of complete brokenness over that and repentance. I was ready just to surrender everything to Jesus Christ. And so that represented that moment for me as I walked forward. I'll never forget the comfort I felt. Wow, I was so comforted. I knew, see, I knew not only were my sins forgiven, but I knew there was no more condemnation for me. I knew that I was now in the Lord's family and that Jesus Christ, by his spirit, was literally indwelling me. The comfort was amazing. But are you still listening to me, folks? Well, I praise God for this. Please understand, the gospel doesn't begin with comfort. Oh, no. The gospel begins with challenge. Challenges like this. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. That's the words of Jesus. Or Jesus' statement, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or even his words from today's passage, the broad road, make no mistake, leads to destruction. Boy, there's nothing comforting in that, is there? I don't get any comfort from that whatsoever, folks. That challenges me like crazy to examine which road am I on? Am I, have I repented? Do I believe? And it's only when we face the challenge of the gospel that we get to the comfort. If you think you're being comforted and you've never faced the challenging part of the gospel, your comfort is a pseudo comfort. It's a false comfort. You're deceived about where you really stand with God. So the gospel says, come and be challenged. Then you're gonna be comforted with all kinds of wonderful comfort because of the reality of that. And then the gospel isn't finished yet with us. He says, now come and be changed. This is the obedience part. I want to literally start a work in your life where I transform you from the inside out. This is about obeying all that I commanded you. Okay, I hope you have it. Three parts of the invitation. Come and be challenged. Come and be comforted. Come and be changed. Now you say, Pastor, how do I know when I got a false prophet? If all you ever hear is the comforting part, you got a false prophet on your hands. Let me tell you a little trick about false prophets. They don't usually say hardly anything that is blatantly wrong. That's what's so tricky about it. That's what's so deceptive. There's virtually never a statement out of their mouth that is obviously and blatantly wrong. It all sounds so good. That's why so many people are deceived, but they just leave out the challenging parts about life change. It's all about comfort. And by the way, if you walk away from any, any church, any speaker, any voice out there, and it always, mark my words, always leaves you comforted, that should be a red flag for you. Because the gospel, it comforts us, but it's got a whole bunch of other parts too. And we have no right to leave out the challenging parts and the parts that call us to change. 
And so some of you, the Holy Spirit is nudging you and wooing you, and you need to come today because he wants to, he wants to nudge you to change. Perhaps your life was a mess. I get it. We all were a mess before we came to Christ, and half the time we're a mess after we come to Christ, right? Amen? I mean, we're always in process. I hope we all understand. We're all in this together. We're all these flawed, imperfect, broken human beings who have challenges of one kind or another. My challenge is not, may not be yours. Yours may not be mine. But we've all got these challenges, and we're all broken. Hope we know that. Life is so hard. And maybe, maybe you came to Christ first because of this. You just, you just desperately wanted some comfort. I get it. I get it. But life on the narrow road is gonna challenge you. And maybe God is speaking to you today about some challenge he wants to bring to your life. Some of you need to come forward in just a few minutes and pray about your, your marriage. And you need to maybe seek God about something that's going on. Or maybe you've got a significant relationship in your life and the Holy Spirit is challenging you. It's a good thing. If it's all comfort, it's not God. There's gotta be some challenge. That's what God brings. And maybe he's talking to you about a significant relationship. Or maybe you've got anxiety because you're concerned about your health. Or maybe you wanna come in just a few minutes and pray about one of your dear family members who, as far as you know, doesn't know Christ yet. There's all kinds of reasons why we will come. But you let God nudge you and guide you in just a few minutes when we get ready for prayer. There's one final question I wanna ask, and that is, if you were accused <laughs> of being a Christ follower, what about it? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? He said, now wait a minute, Pastor Rex, this whole evidence thing, I mean, those folks that Jesus talked about there at that judgment scene that we read earlier, they had evidence in their lives, didn't they? Well, let's look at it again. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? Now notice all the evidence they had. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Time out, pastor, aren't prophesying and driving out demons and performing miracles, come on. Isn't that evidence enough? Isn't that proof that someone is really on God's team? Here's the deal. None of those things is convincing evidence. Here's why. Because all of those things can be faked, fabricated, or produced by the evil one. That's why they're not convincing evidence in and of themselves. Remember Pharaoh's magicians in the book of Exodus? God was performing real miracles through the hand of Moses. And Pharaoh's magicians could copy and simulate those miracles up to a point, And it was awe-inspiring to see what they could do. But they were total frauds. Or remember in the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, he was a Jewish high priest. 
He had seven sons who were exorcists. They were literally dry, but they had no personal relationship with Christ. In fact, here's how they did it. The mantra they used was, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. It wasn't personal for them. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And it worked up to a point. So the scriptures are very clear that just because miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy is going on, we should not automatically see that as a bona fide proof that someone is truly operating with God's power. Jesus even made this chilling statement in Matthew 24. He said, for false prophets, false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Jesus say, heads up, heads up, everybody, don't be deceived. Just because you're seeing some pretty awe-inspiring things or someone looks impressive up front, because there's all kinds of false prophets that will be able to do that as well. But in contrast to all that, listen, character can't be faked for long. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be faked for long. A phony disciple will not persist in obeying Jesus Christ. The one indispensable fruit of a true Christian is that he or she will persist in a life of obedience to Christ. And that obedience that they practice is not in order to gain salvation. They're not earning salvation. No, their obedience is out of gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness and the joy and all the blessings you've brought into my life. Thank you for causing me to be born again into your kingdom. I'm so grateful. And we live out of gratitude. People on the narrow road, more than anything else, just wanna please God. So what about you? If you were accused of being a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Bottom line, do you have a personal, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord? And if not, this is your moment to enter through the narrow gate. I'm gonna ask right now that we transition into that time. In fact, could I ask right now all of our prayer team members who have been prompted in advance to do this, all of our prayer team members, would you please just boldly stand up right now, make your way front, just right now, go ahead. Don't be afraid, walk right on down and just take your places here. And I'm gonna ask us to begin to dim our lights a bit because we want as few distractions as possible. This is an incredibly important time. We're not gonna rush anyone. There's nothing, folks, nothing more important than knowing that you're on the narrow road that leads to life. Please don't leave here without being confident of that. And I wanna ask everyone right now to please stand. Everyone standing, please. If you're physically able, if you're not, that's totally fine. Don't worry about that. But if you're able to stand for these moments, I'd appreciate it. And I'm gonna pass the baton now to our campus pastors who are gonna come and they're gonna sensitively 
guide and steward this time of prayer as we all seek the Lord together. This is his time for you. Don't miss this opportunity.